Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach and the president and founder of Dynamic Leader Incorporated. With me today, I have Braith Bamkin. Now, Braith is from Australia, but, you know, he sounds like he could be from Texas. I'm kidding. He's not from Texas. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear a Southern accent. Uh, here's the here's the question that he's going to work us through and walk us through. His whole, his whole focus, and the reason I have him on the show today, is uh, his focus is on intention, purpose, and connection. And when you're doing business, and whether you own a business, you're in a business, or you happen to be somebody that uh, engages with a business, so that's 100% of us, right? The question is, who do you want? Uh, who do you want to do business with? And why? And if you can answer those questions, it will set you up to be an amazing entrepreneur. Uh, and we're going to find out more about those questions, where they came from, and how really to leverage those. So with all that said, Wraith Benton, <laughs> welcome to One Sharp Sword. Oh, Dr. Faye, thank you so much for a very uh, warm and generous introduction. I'm not sure where the Southern accent thing comes from. Oh, you mean Southern as in all the way down here? I'm oh, kidding. I, yes. Uh, but you know, all the way we're, down, on top of yeah. the world. we're on top of the world. You're upside down. <laughs> oh, that's, that is true. That is true. We are. <laughs> Because we we're, we're, we're ahead of time. We're a day ahead of you, mate. <laughs> That's so true. So uh, when, before I started recording, I said, oh, Braith, you're in my future. Uh, yeah, <laughs> It's afternoon as I'm recording this, and it's bright and early uh, the next day for Braith. So uh, <laughs> awesome. I'm so glad to have you here. Talk a little bit about uh, the work that you're doing, and... Then I want to back up a little bit, unless you want to start by backing up a little bit and, and <laughs> talking about how you got to do the work that you're doing. Right. Well, why don't we go back and why don't we go back and start from the beginning because that sort of anchors really where I came from. So, well, let's begin with your mother and your father. <laughs> let's go right back. <laughs> I'll go back to the eighties. So we okay to go back to the eighties because it's kind of where it all starts. You know, I think we're of a similar vintage. So, you know, I was in my early working life in the 1980s and my very first real grown-up job I had was uh, working for a commercial textile company and we sold fabrics to architects and interior designers for big you know office projects and you know industrial uh, builds of airports and that was really really fun in, in the 80s Australia was going through a massive boom uh, it was our bicentennial we were coming of age and there was a lot of stuff going on and I was really super excited to be hired by this woman I have no idea why she hired me because I had no, no reason for her to hire me other than the fact that I literally walked into their their showroom one day and I said I want to work for you guys because I think you guys are a really cool company and she hired me so random but uh, I remember that the first week we were driving into the city and this was in Sydney at the time and we were driving across the Harbour Bridge. And, you know, the Harbour Bridge is a beautiful and iconic uh, piece of architecture. And yes. I was sitting there, and as you drive across, there's those big girders that you look up at, across. And I remember sitting there looking at the girders, and, and my boss said to me, Braith, if you want to be successful in this business, you need to learn how to network. And I went, hmm, I have no idea what that word means. This is before computers were around. This is before anything uh, like that word was not even un unheard of. So anyway, we did our business in the city that day. We were coming back across the Harbour Bridge and I was looking up at the girders again. And I said to her, Judith, what did you mean by I need to learn to network? And she said, I'm really glad you asked. And then she spent the next two years mentoring me on how to build business through relationships, through networks, and it was the most amazing. I mean, I've spent a lot of money on uh, university education, but that was one of the best education pieces I've ever had. 
And the thing that she started with is if you want to be successful in business, you really need to make sure that you care enough to help other people first. Because when you help other people first and you really genuinely want to help them succeed, the the law of reciprocity will be that you won't be able to help but receive good things from great people. And she was absolutely right. And a few years later, I was sent packing to New Zealand to open their office in New Zealand. I had nothing but uh, a bag of samples and a yellow pages. And for your younger audience, yellow pages is paper Google. So it was uh, a really, really, really harsh start to my career. But I built relationships and I genuinely learned about other people and other companies. And I became very quickly this person that connected people and made business happen for people. And it was amazing. And I grew that business into a multi-million dollar business. And it really set me up for a way of doing business for the rest of my life. So that's back to the 80s. That's So I'm going to pause you because you, you did say a couple of uh, really solid things that I think demand the highlight or the underscore. Um, care enough to help others first. Yes. It sounds good. And yes. one of those, it's like, yeah, sure, I could help others. Yeah. You, you truly, truly, I've seen this work. I've felt it work. It does. Um, the, the truth is you cannot come from a place of lack in your head. Like, I'm going to help this person, but they need to help me back. Um, the law of reciprocity is the other thing you said. And that's there. It works. It is a universal law. You may not get back from the other person. You might get back from someone else. It might be in a different proportion, uh, but you have to be open to it. Right. And so, And so the the key break that I wanted to underscore was truly care enough to help others first um, and really come from a place of caring and not a place of need. And um, even if you feel like, well, I need to make, I need to make, get a contract. I need, it's like, that's fine. Set that somewhere else. Step in and see how you can help somebody. So I wanted to underscore those two things. I think they're, they're incredibly important as as part of this process of you know of being on the multi-million dollar path. Yes, the perfect Dr. P. Look, I'll tell you where it became very obvious to me that this is the best way to live your life. So that was the 80s. But you know, a few years ago we had this little pause on the planet. I, I lived in Melbourne and we were very I've never hard. heard it called that. A pause on the planet. I <laughs> I love that. We I think it's the best planet. way to talk about it. It's <laughs> so good. We had a little pause on the planet yeah. and we all got back in touch with our personal and professional <laughs> values. And yeah. um and in doing that we are now growing the way we want to, uh, right? So being slightly more empowered. Anyway, uh, during the pause on the planet, what happened? (laughs) Well, in Melbourne, we were in a really long lockdown and a very hard lockdown. You I don't think you guys in America, you sort of understood, but we were like really restricted. We weren't allowed to go out and it went for basically two years. It was hardcore. I personally loved it because, you know, we had a beautiful house, uh, in, in Melbourne with lots of sunshine and we were, you know, a couple of k's from the beach. We had a ring around each of our houses that we were allowed to walk to and the beach was in my ring. So, you know, and it was great because there was no people there. So I, I you know, I, I didn't do it harsh. But what I learned was in that pause, there were a lot of people that were doing it really tough and they were doing it tough with their mental state. And a lot of people, because I don't know if you've read in my bio, I'm actually also the executive director of BNI in Melbourne Central. So I, I own uh, that BNI business. So I have exposure to a lot of uh, business people. And a lot of them were coming to me because they didn't have anywhere else to go. And they were really quite frantic. And what I would say to them, and I genuinely meant it, was if you want to feel better about yourself, do something nice for somebody else. And we started this ripple effect. 
And some of my members came up with this idea called the Caravan of Love, where they would go around to people's houses and they would just do something really nice for them. So we weren't allowed to go into their houses if they were in their 5K zone. They'd make them something or they'd do something in their garden. They'd take photographs from the curbside and they'd wave with their masks on. It was a beautiful thing. But when people saw that in action and they realised that because there was not much going on, you couldn't do much because it was a harsh lockdown, but you could do something for somebody else that was really, really easy. Um, people who were, you know, unwell, they were having their bins taken out or their, um, you know, stuff like that that was really simple that you could do, not in a very harsh lockdown, but when we sort of got a bit milder. So I know from experience that when people started to do this for other people, they felt really good about themselves. And it brought me back to that early statement that if you want to really do well in business, you've genuinely got to help other people. So since that time, I've been using that experience to explain to people that the reality of doing good stuff for other people for no other reason, because we didn't have anything else to do. So you might as well do something nice for somebody else, right? But then they realize, oh, my goodness, this stuff really works. And so now I say, well, what happens when you take that and you put it into your business life today? Because we're all, you know, got a lot of stuff going on, but we can still help other people and it will still lift you up and it will still propel you forward because when you feel great, good stuff seems to come to you as well. So when you lift yourself up, you're always having opportunity come to you. And I don't know about you in your life, but whenever I felt down or grumpy or whatever, uh, and because I'm, I'm not always up because I'm human, um, you know, good stuff doesn't seem to come. You know, it sort of seems to be blocked. But when I move to a different phase and I'm open, good stuff just seems to come. It's kind of like, oh, chicken and the egg thing here. What's going on? So. You can see it in your life, and true leaders are people that are able to harness that. And I work with a lot of leaders, and I've been documenting for 10 years the traits of really successful leaders. I've got this massive document of things that I've observed over years of working with amazing people. And I can tell you without fail, people who help other people seem to succeed way better than those that don't. True. I think that there's something to be said for the human connection. Um, yeah. You know, if you remember before the pause, I, I love calling it that. Pause <laughs> is such a better word than pandemic. Um, I don't say that word. <laughs> well, words well, that, have power, right? Words that, have power. That was the, words do have power. The, the, the time that I did use pandemic on a regular basis was to remind mostly Americans that this wasn't something that was politically based. Pan meaning, pan meaning around the world. Like it is all of us. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it, it wasn't a, it, there were so many divisive comments here in America, in the United States. Um, and I'm clear that to say in the United States, because uh, Canada is considered part of North America and <laughs> wouldn't would not like it if I said that. So in the United States, there was so much kind of division. And um, and just to say, look, this was this was not something that was just sort of made up by one person. You know, um, this was around the world and uh, China and uh, Australia had some pretty severe lockdowns, like real yeah. lockdowns. So, yeah, yeah that, that was something. In Canada as well. Our Canadian yeah. friends did as well. Um, the dopamine thing is real. Uh, you didn't yes. talk about dopamine, but the truth is um, that when you do something nice for someone else, the, uh, the effect of giving, the effect of helping, you know, what makes you feel better is that rush of, mm -hmm. it's almost like love, you know, it's sort of mm -hmm. like, wow. And when you're in that space, um, you know, the rule is, and you know, this, uh, the rule is you have to let go of a lower kind of vibration, a lower energy mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. in order to have a higher energy thing. So mm -hmm. you want to make your life better. You let go of the feeling of lack and frustration. Mm -hmm doing something nice for someone else set you up perfectly for that. So that's cool. great. Are you familiar with spiral dynamics? Spiral? Spiral dynamics. I am not. I will look it oh. up. 
Dr. P, I've given you some homework, mate. It's a really great model of uh, it's a spiral and, you know, we all operate at a different level of that spiral and, you know, we can move in and out. But, you know, the really evolved leaders, the leaders at the very top of uh, the spiral that are in that space all the time, people like Richard Branson, who live to help other people, like they have gone past making money. Make, making money is not even a thing for him. He is like creating good for the world. And, sure. and when people are in that space, you don't have to be a billionaire to do that. You know, every human being on this planet has a story. Every human being on this planet can can affect others. You don't have to be a, a named person to do that. But when you're in that, that top level and, you know, you're really doing things for purest intentions, you can see amazing things can happen. And I, and I know people who you would never know because they're not brand names who do extraordinary things and you being in their presence, you know you are hanging out with somebody awesome. Love There's it. something about them because, you know, thoughts are uh, energy because we all have that uh, synaptic uh, electrical charge going off in our brain. So it stands to reason if thoughts are energy, then energy can be felt. And, you know, you feel it when you go into a room, this is a good vibe or a bad, bad vibe. I mean, that's the evidence there. So we all can tell energy is good or bad. But so these people that I that I know, you get you around them and you are literally lifted up into a space that, is extraordinary and yeah so it's a really cool tool you'll love it i uh i love that i uh i will check it out the last chapter of my very first book um choosing your power in the last chapter i call it spiraling toward freedom oh, and, cool. and the whole idea of the spiral for me is that we do when we level up it's not running in a circle it's running in an ever outward upward spiral so that it might feel like you've come to the same place but you're you're able to look back and go that's not me anymore yeah uh, right and so you you spiral up one more level and spiral up one more level and the idea of the spiral is awareness that choice exists Mm-hmm. gives you more choices and the more choices you have the more awareness you have and so that is kind of a an ever expanding loop and so recognize recognizing that you're never stuck you're not it's not over till it's over <laughs> right <laughs> right and so you've always got choice you've always got the opportunity to spiral up one more level and that's by letting go of the place you're at so this is great. I will check out Spiral Dynamics. Thank you. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's awesome. You are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event www.exponentialsuccesssummit.com. Can you talk a little bit about uh, some specifics? You know, I when I guide my uh, my executives, my VIPs, when I offer guidance to them, we'll bounce around ideas about how they can be of service to others. Um, you know, I had I had, uh, one of mine was just like. Uh, it was during the pause, it was make a list of your, of your biggest, of your own biggest clients and just reach out. How are you doing? Do you need anything? Can I send you anything? Um, And the response back to that was absolutely more referrals for his business. It was, it was incredible. Just the reach out, just the human touch, you know, um, and I, I, I have one more thing to say before I ask you before I ask you to actually answer that question, and that is pre-pandemic, before uh, the the giant pause, uh, 
<laughs> we were all kind of uh, in a place of just put down that technology and go meet face to face. And then the pause caused us to pick up the technology so we could see each other. But we realized that wasn't quite the same. It's no. good, but it's not quite the same as, you know, being in the presence of yeah. and truly feeling the electricity of the yep. other. So um, now it's, you know, use the use the technology, but when you can break away from it and go back out and reconnect. So in in your experience, where did you where are you using the kind of like in the last three or four or five contacts you've made? Um, can you talk about what have you done to lift others or what kind of examples are you seeing other people doing? There are so many levels to that question that you asked there. It's just amazing. Right. Right? I mean, there's just so much stuff there. I'm actually writing a book at the moment called Busting the Busy Myth, where I talk about uh, get letting go of the, you know, the badge of honour that we wear about being busy and all the things that come with being busy or that when, when you're really, when you tell people you're busy, you basically say, I'm not open to opportunities. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation, Dr. P. So well, let's, <laughs> but, right. So um, busy is actually a badge of mar- martyrdom. Right? Totally, totally, so right. busy. It's like, oh, are you right. busy or are you productive? Because, yeah, right. you know, my schedule is crammed, but it's like, it's still my schedule. I did it on purpose. I own my schedule, you know? Um, right. So it's, it's different than I'm so busy. I, I can't get anything done. Yes, <laughs> can. it, who, who's, cal- whose calendar is it? Right. So I know, right. Oh, anyway. we, we can talk about this for hours. Cause it's my, my pet. One of the things that I've seen in really successful people is they never use that word because that shuts down opportunity because the minute you say busy, it's very Pavlovian. You keep telling people you're busy. Uh, people don't come with you to you with ideas, opportunities, and exciting stuff. And to your question, people won't reach out to you because they, they say, oh, well, she always says she's so busy. So I, I won't reach out to her. I won't invite her to that lunch. I won't invite her to coffee. I won't pick up the phone and talk to her because every time I do, she starts with, I'm so busy, I don't have time to talk. So it's very, 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 very limiting to use that language. And as I said to you earlier, language has power. So you have to be really careful about the words that you put out into the world because that's the way the world sees you navigate the world, right? So yes. Be very, very careful with your words. So you asked me about what I do. Well, I mentioned before we got on to this call that I have two places. I have a place in Melbourne where most of my business occurs, and I have a place up in Palm Cove, which is in far north Queensland near the Barrier Reef. It is beautiful. But because my business is in Melbourne, I I need to reach out to people. And just because I'm here doesn't mean that I can't keep my connections in Melbourne. So I have this thing that I do every day is I have the calling hour. I'd love to say it's now, but I never do an hour. It's more like 15, 20 minutes. I literally just uh, go through my phone and I, I, I scroll. I have a scroll and I go, I haven't spoken to you for a while. I pick up the phone. And I literally just call people and I just say, hey, how are you? What's going on? I haven't spoken to you for a while. I'm up up in Queensland. Just thought I'd reach out. How's the weather in Melbourne? And people love it. People, and I've got no agenda. And there are people that are in my inner circle. If, if you know Dunbar's uh, theory of number of people that we have in our connected world, you know, about 150 is sort of the max that we can sort of hold. So these people that I would call are sort of in our, my 50 inner or in a circle. So, you know, it's not the random people in my, my life. They're people I have a level of connection with. But I have a really great strategy for the random people, the sort of the 150 out. Um, when I'm doing my uh, LinkedIn posts, I'm very intentional with social media. I don't scroll on social media for hours on end. I go in for a prescribed time with a very, very prescribed activity that I'm doing. And then I log out because I'm not going to get those notifications. 
But when I go in there and I do the comments, as you know, you've got to do on LinkedIn, you've got to create connection with people. But what I also do is I note people who have uh, in my connections, because I've got, I don't know, four or 5,000 people that I'm connected to in LinkedIn. I don't know all of them really well. But what I do is I will just send them a really quick note. So you come up in the uh, feed, in my LinkedIn feed, just thought I, I would say, hi, what's going on? I'm up in Queensland at the moment. The weather's great. Where, yeah, what's going on with you? The number of people that come back to me with something really interesting, like an opportunity, like the other day, somebody came back to me with, oh, I'm working on some grants. There's a grants, and I don't know if it happens in America, but government here gives grants to big projects. And so she helps people access those. And she sent me a list of grants. And then I was just, because she said, oh, do you want to see what I'm doing? I said, I'd love to. And I saw that. And one of them was something I thought somebody I know quite well would be interested in. So I rang him and I said, you know, do you know about this? I've never heard of it. So I connected them like, you know, that would never have happened. Now, I'm getting nothing out of that other than the fact that I've connected my business colleague with somebody who's in my, you know, my outer sphere with something that may help him. And, you know, I'm going to be a hero to both of them, right? So all I've done is just made a simple, simple connection. So there's your answer. (laughs) That's great. So, yeah, so part of your value add is you make connections. Um, I want to go back to a couple of things. Dunbar's theory is something that not everybody knows about. Right. So the idea is that Dunbar basically says that uh, we can track around between 80 and 150 people as part of a close-ish circle, close-ish. You know, as you you gather more, um, (laughs) it's harder to keep track of them. And then think about who comes top of mind, you've yes. got right around 150. Beyond yes. that, they're acquaintances at best. And yes. so yes. what you do, I love the idea of a calling hour. Like, yeah. how are you? And it could be one person or it could be four people um, that you talk to. And I love the idea, no agenda, just, hey, yeah. you were in my you were in my thoughts, you were on my phone. I thought I'd push yeah. call and... Um, yeah. Because no one that. does it now. No one calls. No, one, like we have moved into the age where where we have these amazing machines where we can speak to anyone, anytime, anywhere in the world, and we don't do it. Now, you know, I, after I left um, commercial textiles and I did my MBA, I went into um, telco. I worked for Nokia and and then some mobile phone carriers. So I, I've been there for the trajectory of uh, telecommunications. So I was there when we got those really small three-series phones. I was there when we got 3G. I was there when we got 4G. I was there when we got... And, you know, it's amazing what I've seen, but it amuses me no end that back in the 90s when I was at Nokia we were all about people will be talking to each other the world will be a better place and guess what the opposite has happened it is endlessly amusing to me that we have these devices that we just simply don't call and you know if you get a number on your phone that you don't know people just don't don't answer it so I find it really quite amusing because I, I would say out of five people that I would call uh, two probably wouldn't answer at all. Uh, one would probably say I'm in a meeting and and the two people that do speak to me are, are very happy to speak to me. But I think I'm kind of known as, like, I, I have a reputation of being the real deal. I'm very genuine. I think people know that, you know, if Braith's calling, he's not, he doesn't want something. So, you know, that's come from years and years of being genuine. So, People smell a disingenuous human being. So, you know, this people don't answer my calls because, that you know, of no other reason I've spent 30 years of my career being honest, real, and genuine, and people know that. So there's a lot to be said. Start now, people. If you haven't started that, that journey, start now because it yeah. will pay off. That's uh, It's an amazing idea, you know. It's like it's easy to want to stay distant. And it's easy to say, okay, I texted somebody, um, therefore I've made a connection with them. Yeah. And the truth yeah. is you haven't made a connection. Um, they got your ping, you know, <laughs> you you poked at them. They went, oh, that's cool. I, I know. It's amazing. And I it's have flat. A- it's flat. 
I have a keynote presentation I do called Connected in a Disconnected World. And I love sharing these stories about how we have all this stuff to help us become more connected, but somehow we're, we're shutting down. And, you know, I talk about this in my intro show, you were talking about how you find people that you want to do business with. Well, you know, you've got to get really clear about who you want to play with and who you want to hang with. Uh, you, you need to have an avatar. But when, when you're clear about where where you're playing in the world, uh, connection's really easy because you have people that are interested in being your tribe. I'm sure there are people out there that don't like me. I'm 100% sure there are people out there that don't like me and don't want to hang out with me. And that's okay because there's a whole lot more to do, right? So, you know, people can get focused on the people that don't want to hang with them. They don't want to do business with you. Not everyone wants to do business with you. And and that's probably a good thing. So it's having the knowledge that when you're genuine and you're genuinely connected to people, those people will come with you on your journey and they will support you to the end of the earth. And, you know, somebody asked me on a podcast recently, if I lost everything, what would I do? And I said, well, I have hundreds of people I could pick up the phone to that would help me. I'd be fine in a week. Yeah. So, you know. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing to think that way, that, that um, you know, loss of everything, it's like, it's just things. It's just uh, stuff. <laughs> and and is there location? Is there memory? Is there all this stuff that goes with that? Absolutely. Would it be sad? Absolutely. Could you survive and rebuild? Yeah. On happier notes, because I love the idea of connecting and connection builds uh connection builds connection. So here's a, here's a question, because one of the things you talk about in, I believe it's in one of your keynotes where I saw it, yep. was uh, how you connect with the audience. How do you connect, like, they're, you know, knowing your audience? How do you connect, yep. right? So if you can just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. And also so recognize, before, we, before I turn yeah. you on that, to recognize... An audience doesn't just mean there's an audience from the stage. An audience yes. could be your family, your team members, like your audience, yes. anybody around you. So how do you, uh, what's your, what's your trick to connecting? Well set up. So I have a little model that I love to use and, you know, it's from that time of documenting successful people. I've, I've worked out that, when people have a very clear purpose for their life and their business, in old school language, we used to call that vision. And I think vision's kind of like 10 years old. The purpose is kind of really where we're at. So when you're purposeful, you you really know where you're heading and the direction that you're taking yourself or your business. But that only works when it's underscored by a really clear intention. And in the old school language, that was mission. You know, a lot of businesses had mission statements. We still, some of them still have them. But an intention statement, a real reason and methodology of how you are going to get towards your purpose. And then finally, when you anchor that with uh, connections, which are based out of your values. And that's the stuff that I think really gives us uh, a foundation. So when people have all three of those things worked out, and it does take time, you are going to have to take time out of your day, out of your business, and sit down and be quiet and really look about, look at where you are with your, your vision and purpose and your intentionality and what matters to you values-wise, you then have a, an anchor to make decisions from. And really in life, all we're dealing with, and particularly in business, problems are coming to us. We're making decisions about how to navigate through those problems, right? That's kind of what we do. So everything's decision-making. And when you know where you're going, how you're going to get there, and why you want to get there, you can make decisions really easily. Like i you know, I can make a decision really quickly because I put it through that filter. Is it something that's purposeful? Is it part of my intention? And does it align with my values? And, and if I've got all of that three, those things 
right? I can say yes or no. And I say it in a nice way. Yes, I'd love to do that. Well, no, that's not an opportunity for me right now. And I say that in a beautiful way. And people are never annoyed at me uh, because I don't shut down future opportunities by saying that. And even small things, even large, particularly large things makes it easier because I see a lot of leaders crippled in analysis paralysis. And they spend a lot of time trying to work out whether this is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. You know, I'm a really big believer in in your gut instinct, but I also know that when you've got your purpose, your intention and your connection values sorted out, that, that gut feeling really is rooted in something that matters to you. And so that's a really great way of looking at your life. And I encourage all of your listeners to sit down for just 10, 15 minutes and really think about what uh, what matters to them. My values, I, I change them all the time. I have a list of 20 and they're my top three and I move them in and out. And that just it's, an, it's a compass for my life, right? It's a compass for my life. And it makes everything is easier when you know what you stand for. That's so great. Um, I, I want to uh, plus one all of that. I want to add on to that. <laughs> cool. um, in my world, I start with values. Yeah. Uh, and it's value for me, it's three V's to to get to exponential success. Right. Yeah. So that's that's where I lead people is through the excellence path and to exponential success, starting with values. Are you clear about your values? Yeah. Have you then built a vision based on those values? And and then what's the vitality you bring? So I talk about three Vs and the yeah. vitality is really about how do you live into it so that other people can see it? Like, how are you communicating it? Is it, it's gotta be aligned in your actions, right? And so um, I love that you talk about analysis paralysis and people trying <laughs> to make decisions about what's right and what's wrong. Um, <clears throat> you have to move, you have to take action in order yes. To get feedback about is the path right or wrong yep. and um, does it fit, you know, and yep. so, you know, when you're living in your purpose, I love that uh, yeah. when in your purpose, when you're in your purpose and you're living in your, in your place of intention based on the values, yeah. um, you, you are creating the path. Yeah. Right? I love it. I love everything about that. <laughs> but you know, what's really interesting about what you've just said, like, We've never talked about that before, but we're coming at the same uh, challenge with very similar ideas. And, and I think what that's showing is that great leaders have these things in their life. And, you know, I think when you're aspiring to grow as a leader and as a human, these are some of the things that the really exceptional people spend time doing. And you see people spinning their wheels in their life and their business. And invariably, when I sort of deconstruct where they're at, these things aren't sorted out. They don't get that. They don't know That's where they're right. going. Right. And That's so exactly right. yeah. our life is as good as the questions we ask, but more importantly, the more they're as good as the questions we ask ourselves, because that's where the real good stuff happens. This is really great. You're you're underscoring a uh, a statement made by a guest not that long ago. So this is again, I appreciate what you just said was we're coming at things uh, similarly, might be using different language. Mm -hmm. The fact that we're coming at the same things in similar ways means there's sort of a, a honing, like a whittling away to the core truths that yep. when you get to this place of, I've worked around leaders, I've gotten this level of success, these are really the things that matter. Start with your values. And you said something else, which I think is fabulous. And that goes <laughs> to my, I'm going to hold up my third book. Um, <laughs> dynamic. So Dynamic Transitions talks about how we hold core values that don't really shift, you know, family, love, uh, integrity, those, those we hold close to us. The peripheral values shift. Yes. Right, so you're not the same person you were 20 years ago, oh. and and let's hope not. Right, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> that we've all grown, and then to take a look at well, if we've all grown, and we're continuing to grow, might we not want to look at where we're going and be 
intentional about that. So what values do I need to acquire and grow into every single day to have the life that I really want? Yeah, I love it. And you know, you've heard that adage about, you know, planes only on course, you know, 1% of the time and the pilots recorrecting. So it's the same with our life. You know, we're, we're, if we're purposeful, we, we're heading in a general direction. Sometimes we can go off, but when we revisit our values, that's really bringing that, that aircraft back on course and heading towards that uh, real purposeful uh, endpoint. And I think that, you know, really successful people that I've seen uh, blow up their lives in ways that are un- uncompre- incomprehensible to, to many people, they spend time on this stuff. They mm-hmm. take their time, they take time out and they think. And thinking, thinking is a very powerful tool. In fact, I'll, I'll share a little story with you. The other day I read a, a, an article from a young uh, guy that won a prize to hang out with, uh, it was called Billionaire for a Day. And he hung out with uh, one of Australia's biggest mining magnates, Clive Palmer, who has a lot of political stuff going on around him, whether you like him or not, not the point. But, you know, he's whether you like him or not, he's made billions of dollars. He's very successful. And the guy that wrote the article said, the biggest take I I had, and he was on the private jet, he flew somewhere, he said, this guy thinks. He spends a lot of time thinking. He doesn't hold his phone. Now, I'd love to be in a place where people could hand me my phone when I need to speak to people, but he has people hand him his phone, hand him something when he needs to get on the laptop, and they take it away because he's not attached to the stuff. He's not attached to the phone. He's not glued to his phone. He's not screaming at people down the phone. Uh, He's thinking a lot about opportunity and what's happening next. And I love that, that, you know, when you you know about... um, people like Richard Branson. So Dr. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, spends some time with Branson on Necker Island and they play chess and they talk and they think. So these are mega successful people on this island. And I think what it's saying is, like it might sound like they're living a great life and it's great that they have the money to do that, but they're taking. you can do that in your home. You can take time out to think and think about where you're going and what's important to you. And when you do that, things become a lot easier and clearer. And then your values become really locked in and making decisions becomes easy. Isn't that great? So, um, yeah, the idea of, again, it comes back to start with your values, take time to actually break away from the technology to to reflect on what matters to you. Um, I I have journals all around me. Um, I use them regularly. Uh, and, and I also use my birthday as my New Year's Day. Oh, cool. So for me, that's New Year's is, is um, you know, on my birthday, I have a new year ahead of me. What do I want to be doing? Right. What do I want to create this year? Look back and, and give gratitude for everything that I've had in the year prior. And that's the kind of stuff that I think about. And and, you know, in that, there are people, right? There are people that I care about, um, family, friends, beyond, you know, I'm, uh, for the first time, I'm looking at starting a foundation. This is, it's like, cool. how do we lift as we lead? And and yeah. how do you, you know, how, uh, this is for, for the audience, each of, each of my audience members, just to be thinking, how, what is it you can do today to lift another just one small thing, you know, what can you do? And, you know, if, if that's not a value of yours, that's okay. Um, practice that as an action and then see what happens. I mean, mm. it, it might just become a value. And if it does, <laughs> it, it might well. will change. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a really great tool that one of my mentors taught me many, many years ago, and it's writing love letters to your business, to the people in your life, uh, mm. to uh, circumstances. And when things are tough, um, I find writing a love, like my business isn't always, you know, on cloud nine, you know, it's a business. So it goes through ups and downs and there are times when it frustrates me. So I write a love letter to it and, you know, it might be two or three pages. It changes my mindset. 
and opportunities then come. But you know, on on the news that my birthday is quite close to New Year, so I you know I, I do this over the Christmas period, which in Australia is summer. It's a nice time, and I write a love letter to my life. And you know, you talk, you said before about gratitude, and you know, I heard that word for a long time, and and I've probably well into my forties before I really genuinely understood what that meant. Yeah, it requires taking inventory of of the things that actually got you here. And it could be something as simple as, you know, I really, I I love my pen. I love Mm -hmm. the way it writes. I love the way it feels. And I'm grateful that I'm in a position to be able to have this pen and to use my hand to write with it. And, you know, it sounds ridiculous. And at the same time, you know, being grateful for the small things uh, uh, allows you to really recognize the magnitude of the bigger things, right? And yeah. and I think that's I think that's huge. Writing one a of my letter. Go ahead. So one of my business coaches actually said when I talked about that to her, she said, "Why don't you do something with that as well?" Uh, and when you're walking around, say, "I love." insert tree i love the blueness of the sky i love the birds singing and as you do that for a walk if you do that for an hour and you love everything around you like people some people are listening to this going these guys are off with the pixies but love is a really powerful word in our lives and uh there's a really great book i can't remember who wrote it about love in business it's a really cool book uh but when you say that you actually feel better like it, it makes you feel better it's crazy it's it's the all the drugs that we generate in our brain and it yep. changes the way we feel the phenylethylamine drop oh. is what it is ah. so there you go um it's it's similar to dopamine it's you know yes. phenylethylamine is what shows up in chocolate it's why we crave chocolate when we're depressed um it's like well wow i just want to feel loved again and yeah. and it's like well the way to do that is to love Right. The way to reinvigorate your business is to love. And um, this is so great. I I believe that I'm one of the few and you're one of the few that actually dare to use the L word, the love (laughs) in business, that it's like bring love to your business. It's one of my I have 11 core values. It's one of my core values for myself and my business that I uh, that people who do business with me will feel yep. loved. They will feel the love that goes through everything yep. I and my business, everything we do. I think that's so important. Um, that's cool. I'm glad we had that conversation too. Middle-aged white blokes talking about love. It's not something that you would really pick, but, you know, people know you well. I'm sure they know that's important to you, and people who know me would know it's important to me. So, you know, let's spread the love. (laughs) It's true. And and you do it from this place of... uh, of gratitude, right? So, yes. you know, it sort of goes hand in hand. I wanted to point out one more thing because you were talking about decision-making and, you know, um, decision-making and you didn't say it this way and action-taking, right? That yes. that you have to take action in order to make anything happen. And I, whenever, whenever anybody brings up the word decision, I love to go to the Latin uh, which is desidere, which is to to cut away. And oh. so if you decide when you decide, then you have cut away everything else. And so you then get to have filters for, because I've decided on this course, uh, this course of action, because I've decided on heading this direction, is this thing off to the side, is that going to help me or is it a distraction? Is the phone helping me or distraction? Is the uh, the the well-meaning family member helping or distraction? And being able to manage uh, your time and give attention where it's needed, that's magical. And so being able to to say, yes, you know what? This relationship with this family member, that matters to me. I decide I choose to give attention there. Um And so, you know, talking, going back to what's work-life balance, it's like, well, there's life and you get to choose what you put into it. So um, decide where it goes, you know? Um, 
uh, I'll just say one more thing, and then I want to want to bounce that around with you. The the whole idea of if you want to look at what somebody values, um, you're going to look at their calendar and their credit card statements. <laughs> I've never heard that. That's great. Where, where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your money? And you can you can make more money, but you can't make more time. And if you really want to look at what somebody, you know, if somebody says, well, I really value my family. It's like, that's awesome. How come your calendar is full of everything but them? Like, where are they? You know? And, I love that. Right? So, so you've got to put that in. And um, I will tell you that doing that, I made a commitment this year for that. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing that, you know, my, my adult kids are on my calendar. Sure. My, uh, you know, my wife is on my calendar. Um, <laughs> and, the, and it's not like, oh, I must spend time with her. It's more like, oh, yeah, we're going to a play. Oh, yeah, we're going to do this together. Oh, yeah, we've got that together. So, you know. Have you, you've obviously read the the one thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. The one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if this concept is new to your listeners, I encourage them to check that book out because that's a fantastic book that really summarizes that whole concept really well. Um, I love that book. I, it's changed my life. That's great. All right. So I'm going to look up the spiral dynamics and yeah. we're challenging our listeners to look up the one thing let's also get them um give them the opportunity to come back to you like if they just want to connect with you or learn more about you or book you for a keynote where can <laughs> people find you well i am very lucky thank you to my parents that i have a very unique name braithbamkin.com is my website you can find me uh braithbamkin on linkedin uh you know, I do a lot of these podcasts in the States and I, I love this. Uh, and I get a lot of people connecting with me and they share amazing stories. So, you know, if you've listened to this uh, podcast and, you know, connect with me and tell me what you took out of it, I'd love to hear from you. And uh, I will answer you, I promise. <laughs> and it is me, not my VA. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Braith Bamkin, B-R-A-I-T-H-B-A-M-K-I-N, braithbamkin.com. Uh, that's awesome. Is there anything that I you were hoping I would ask that I didn't get to? No, you covered everything. We've covered a lot, and I, yeah. you know, I really appreciate. It. I feel we're on a very similar path and trajectory, and I've really enjoyed our conversation. So, I thank you so much for for having me on. I thank you for joining me. It's it is truly a, a pleasure. Braith Bamkin is my guest. Has been for the past hour. This is One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach and the President and Founder of Dynamic Leader Incorporated. We'll see you here next time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell the Breakthrough Success Coach and your powerful presence mentor.